During our second season of Back to Work, our goal was to find leaders to discuss trending topics in the staffing industry space. A lot has changed over the past few years, and we want to know what the mood is across the industry, not just at Yelp. Joining us for this two-part question and answer series for Back to Work is our guest, Barry Asen, President at Staffing Industry Analysts. Barry's specialties include research, business strategy, competitive and industry analysis. He's an expert in workforce trends and developments and the development of contingent and alternative work arrangements. Barry, welcome to the podcast. Joe, thank you. Great to be here. I really uh, appreciate you guys having me. Awesome. Now, over this two-part series, Barry's going to provide us with some insight into the gig economy and the human cloud, staffing industry trends, the intersection of talent and technology, competitive landscapes, and much more. I know that sounds like a lot, but Barry, let's dig in. Let's do it. In a 2018 gig economy summary, staffing industry analyst, SIA, said that, quote, the gig economy continues to disrupt, enhance, and transform traditional work models, methods, means, and infrastructures. As organizations around the world utilize, explore, and reconfigure contingent work across marketplaces, there is an increasing spotlight on the human cloud, the fastest growing segment of today's technology-fueled gig economy. Now, first, Barry, can you explain to listeners, maybe those who aren't exactly sure, <laughs> yeah, what is the say, human Joe- cloud and the gig economy? Right. So, you know, I think there's a lot of terminology and I, you know, every, every field has that. And, and I think our, our terminology has evolved a lot. You know, really what we're talking about is how technology um, is, you know, as far as the the term human cloud, we don't, we don't really even use that so much anymore. We we talk much more about uh, what we call a, a talent platforms and staffing platforms. And the idea is how technology is connecting the work that needs to be done with the workers. And so it's it, that's really just a way of, of thinking for those people who are sort of tech-minded, of thinking of all, you know, you can get software and service in a cloud. You can also tap into talent through uh, through technology. And so there's there's a whole segment of, uh, you know, of, of firms that are out there that can help you find talent through uh, sort of tech platforms, and and that's what a lot of that is. That's that's one thing about connecting with work and workers. The gig economy, we refer to that as um, sort of the same thing. You may have heard the term contingent work, and the idea or temporary work. Uh, the whole th- the whole thing there is that there's a whole lot of people uh, somewhere, depending on how you measure it, between a you know. 20 to 40 percent or so of the workforce of people who are working on short-term assignments. You know, it's not per, uh, sort of. I, I never refer to the to permanent work uh, because you know no job is permanent, particularly in the world today. But traditional work, and then you know there's all sorts of people who are doing short-term work, and sort of that's where the term gig came from. But you know this has been around for a long time. There there have been temporary workers. There's freelancers, independent contractors, consultants, um, and a lot of companies. You know hire what we would call gig workers as well, or like summer interns and you know seasonal help. So there's a whole part of the economy ar- around that, and um, it's uh, you know it's been a growing trend. It's a great way for organizations to get the talent that they need for just the work that they they need getting done. 
And uh, Joe, that's probably more than you wanted to know. But uh, <laughs> no, that's perfect. I mean, I think a lot of people are aware of you know the gig economy, and there's certainly positives and negatives for both the employer and the employee. Um, how do you think, or how has the gig economy shifted, if at all, over the past two plus years since COVID? Yeah, well, it's it's been a. Um, I, I I think the big thing that's happened is that um, you know it's been a um, eye-opening moment for people about flexibility. You know, if anything came out of COVID, in one big thing was like, you know, work did not have to get done. We all operated, and I mean, we've had this giant social experiment, and we've seen that, like, you know, gee, for a lot of people, particularly in knowledge work, I mean, you and I are are sort of you know working remotely here right now as we're talking, and. Um, the um, so we've had this big experiment about remote work. We've had this big experiment about flexible work um, because talent, and we'll we'll probably touch on this a little bit later. We've also seen, you know, much more. We're, we're today much more in a situation where uh, the, the workers' talent is in the driver's seat, and that the dynamics have shifted with employers. And so employers. You know, if if people want to work on a flexible basis, um, that I think that more and more employers are are open to that. So like never before, it's like a light switch flipped, and suddenly it's like no no no. You know, you must be in the office. You must work forty hours a week. You must be a full time employee. And suddenly, if it's like, oh, if you want to work across the country, and you want to work, you know, certain hours, or you want to be working on a on a sort of freelance or a temp basis or something, fine. And so I think there's much more interest in that from much more willingness to look at these sorts of options. And, you know, workers have, their lives have sort of opened up as well. So not only are employers saying, yeah, we're more open to that, workers are going, like, I just, you know, it wasn't that great, the old world of work. And let's let's stop with the hour and a half commute each way Let's stop with the, you know, the the sort of job. I mean, all these people that decided the jobs they had weren't fulfilling for them. So there's been a lot of change. I think that's part of why, you know, people feel so unsettled right now in, in a lot of ways is just the world is changing and uh, we'll, we'll all get used to it. And, uh, and I think, you know, I mean, people are so incredibly adaptable. I mean, really, it, it happened and you know pretty fast right in a couple of months there suddenly all you know all these new ways of working sort of appeared yeah i think if you told probably the majority of workers back in march 2020 that it could be two and a half years and many of us would still not have gone back in the office or not be back in the office five days a week it would be a big shock so <laughs> it certainly was at the time right it was yeah like, it was like the impossible that could never happen that suddenly was you know, went to inevitable or likely, and then it was just obvious. And now we all look back and go, well, uh, I wonder why. Now, of course, there's lots of, there's still this ongoing debate of like, what's the right right way to do that? And maybe we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, speaking of that, I mean, over the past few months, it's now September 2022, almost October. Um, some companies, uh, especially in, Phil in Philadelphia, Comcast is starting to welcome back people in the office. And I think more and more companies are generally what might happen in your eyes if organizations kind of force everybody back to work? What are, what are the risks there? And uh, if they don't support anymore that uh, flexible work style, um, yeah. you know, what are some of those biggest risks? 
Well, I, you know, the biggest risk right now is that unemployment is at, you know, at near record lows, three and a half percent, something like that. Um, we first time unemployment claims every month are at record low levels as well. So we're in this very odd point because, you know, there's there's certainly warning signs out there flashing recession. But, you know, there there are something like two and a half times the number of open jobs for the number of unemployed people. So the obvious thing is, you know, people have choices. And so the risk for an organization is that you won't get the talent that you need, that people will say, okay, I'll, you know, I'm going to change the channel and uh, I'm going to go find somebody who will, who will do it. Um, one of the exciting things for companies that are willing to embrace flexible work is your labor market just opened up. And so if you're in a, you know, an area where, you know, particularly uh, outside of urban centers, if you're in a, you know, an area where the workforce is, you know, is pretty constrained and the skill level of the people there is there's a very fixed pool, suddenly now you've got a regional, national, depending on the work, sometimes global labor pool to pull from. And so if you're willing to embrace that, it's a it's a huge opportunity. But, you know, but certainly for those, I mean, I do think some companies, depending on what the work is and what their pretend, you know, their particular market situation is, they might be able to just insist on everybody back in the office. Um, and then if you don't like it, get out. And maybe if the economy turns around, you know, in a very dramatic way here, um, we'll get to a point where where people will be willing to get back in the car and drive a couple hours. Um, but my my guess is, um, you know, we're never going back. And the data we have shows that that you know the expectation for most companies and most workers is it's not going to be as much remote as it was in the middle of 2020 when people were were worried, you know, that they were going to get COVID and die. Um, they're, you know, obviously that's still happening tragically, but, you know, the risk is much less now. So I, I think for the vast majority of people, you know, we're going to end up in this hybrid world where, you know, a couple of days a week or one day a week or one day a month or, you know, some, some version of time people will get together in person, but it's going to be very intentional. Like, why are we getting together in person? And like, what are we doing? And and we're not just going to go in and into the office and just hang out and, you know, work on our own. I think people want to want to know what the point of it is. Yeah. What have you seen, I guess, from either employers um, and also employees as to, you know, what their maybe future plans are and what employees are looking for? Certainly, there is a missing element of culture, uh, I would I would assume um, when people are all working remotely that we don't have anymore, but there's so many benefits to it too. So, um, you know, what are you seeing as, you know, yeah. how do we structure that? Well, I think, you know, from the employer side, um, I, I talk to a lot of CEOs and top executives about, you know, particularly in staffing and recruiting firms, and they're thinking about their own internal organization as, as well as their clients. Um, you know, they're, they are very worried about, like remote work, works great for people who have been around a while and have done the job and have established relationships. Um, and if you're, and, and there is a way to build culture and, 
you know, you have to have more intentional meetings and, you know, just best be more intentional about it because there's less just sort of random bumping into people. Um, but they are worried about, um, you know, people who are new to the workforce, younger workers, and are they going to get the sort of learning by osmosis? So I think that's from the company side. And so I think for many of them, you know, with their their more junior employees, they are pushing them back into the office. And the fact of the matter is, typically the younger younger folks more likely to want to be back in the office, um, you know, particularly if they don't have the challenges that parents have. And once you get to the point where you've got kids at home and, you know, soccer practice to drive to and all that sort of stuff, it gets, um, you know, there are a lot of benefits to working from home. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I've, I've totally answered your question here, Joe, but, but I, I, I think that it's, you know, we're, we're in this sort of period of renegotiating, renegotiating really the, uh, the, the terms of this. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's, I mean, the concerns are about, you know, culture, relationships, learning, um, and then, but the benefits are like, you know, there's a lot of benefits. There's productivity benefits. And, you know, if you, if you hire the right people, there's always risks if you hire the wrong people that they're just going to be checked out and unsupervised, which I guess is, you know, people worry about that as well. Yeah, it seems like there's still obviously so much uncertainty, um, even two and a half years into this. But now it's more uncertainty about what is the right decision to make. Um, companies aren't just uncertain about what the future looks like, but it's about, you know, what is the right decision for our business type and what's the right decision for our current employees, our future employees. Um, it's not easy to make. And you, you're the one talking to so many CEOs. Um, is it? I, I've, seen, just... I've seen I've seen everything. So I've <laughs> yeah. seen the ones who are like, no, 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 we are in the office five days a week. And, and of course, then it means, you know, your labor pool is, you know, people within driving distance of, of the office. If you can get the talent you need, then I think I think that works. Then I've also seen companies that have tried that and, you know, discovered that people had moved. <laughs> you know, they'd left the state. Certainly, I'm out in California. We've, we've seen, you know, lots of people moving um, to places where uh, housing costs are lower and the like. So, you know, and everything in between to the to the the uh, the hybrid. So, I, you know, I think the the experiment is still ongoing um, there. I, I don't think there is any one right answer, but there is, you know, if, if there's anything like I said, I said before, I think there is the you know, it's just we're going to be more intentional about why are you know you're not just in the office just because that's what you do like you show up and you know in, in in the office area it's more like what are you there for is it a learning is it networking is it a culture is it team building is it you know is it just sort of teamwork and and collaboration you know all all sorts of things but but um you know i think less of the individual work heads down stuff in a in an open office is is you know unlikely to be uh, be the future I guess and and the data we've got sort of shows that you know whereas that early in the pandemic at least for knowledge workers eighty or ninety percent were working remotely it's come down but it's not going to go back to the five or ten percent that it was you know we're we're going to end up somewhere in the middle and for many more it's going to be that hybrid hybrid sort of option. 
Now let's keep talking about the the outlook of town a little bit, but shift away from uh, from COVID. Obviously, the methods that employers use to recruit retain top talent they've changed dramatically over the past few years, and are just probably still changing daily. Um, Besides, you know, the work environment is under siege and many times by economic changes uh, with uh, inflation changing uh, people's outlooks there. Um, let's talk about just talent in general and how companies acquire um, and attract top talent. I'm sure you've seen so many staffing trends, you guys uh, at SIA yeah. research every day. What are some of the, you know, some of the changes um, in hiring, not just as a result of COVID, but the roles maybe people are looking for? You know, there's long-term trends and there's there's short-term trends. I, I think that um, as, just as far as recruiting, you know, I, I, I sort of alluded to this before. I think, you know, this idea of the power dynamics changing between uh, workers and um, and hiring, you know, hiring managers and hiring companies. So, um, you know, that the, the, just given the, that we've gone to this point of like what I like to refer to as not just a talent shortage anymore. It's a it's a crisis. Like the, there are crazy things going on out in the labor force right now. You know, we we do a lot on uh, nurse staffing, and we have a whole uh, event around the healthcare staffing industry. And and that that might be one of the more extreme examples. But you know, we've seen you know, nurses have, have, like, if they've been willing to to take more flexible assignments, we've seen their pay double or more than double. And, you know, it was, you, there's all sorts of reasons going on there in particular, you know, the burnout and um, just think about, you know, how nurses sort of went from being heroes to, you know, overworked and like this is never going to end sort of moment. And so, you know, reassessing their lives. So I think we we just can't we we can't like, you know, say enough about how this dynamic has changed uh, between uh, work and workers, particularly for skilled workers. Um, you know, there is there is that. it, But even for for lower skilled workers, you know, it, it's we've seen similar sorts of uh, things, you know, maybe just a little bit less uh, dramatic. So, so I think, you know, big trend is, uh, is talent um, being in the driver's seat and this, this sort of talent crisis. I guess the other big change is just around technology and in the way that companies connect with workers, um, there's been huge investment in uh, HR and hiring technology over um, you know, really over the last decade. And um, I would say that, you know, that whole process was very cumbersome. And if you just think about like how you'd normally go about hiring someone, I mean, I can remember back to, you know, how long it took when you put ads in the newspaper and, you know, and you you get your stuff in the mail and you'd sort through the resumes and 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 then you'd you know sort of pull out that and you'd invite people in for you know maybe a phone interview and then an in-person interview and that's all gotten speeded up by technology i mean simple things like zoom or teams or you know whatever the the video uh, platforms are but also you know over the years right we've gone through um, you know, the, the job boards and the growth of, you know, the, the sorts of na nowadays like uh, Indeed and LinkedIn and Monster and all these, uh, 
you know, all these other uh, different niche uh, platforms to to advertise on. Um, but it's it's gone way beyond that. It's gotten much more sophisticated, much more tech driven. Um, companies that are really good at hiring are investing a lot of that, particularly the the large companies. Um, you know, but for the small and mid-sized companies, they've got a lot more options out there. And there's there's you know platforms and marketplaces for talent depending on the talent that they're looking for. So, you know, based on what you're looking for, I think that there there's all sorts of options for um, for where to go. Um, and similarly for, um, uh, you know, for candidates, uh, people who are out looking for, for jobs, um, you know, there's, there's, there's lots more, um, ways to connect with hiring managers, you know, social media has become a huge influence on this. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, we even see now like companies advertising on TikTok and, you know, all sorts of, you know, you get all these um, new ways of reaching people. Um, and it's, you know, it's all about it in, in terms of hiring, it's about reaching people where they are. So in some ways, it's just an advertising and marketing, but then there's the whole process of connecting with those workers. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to see like uh, artificial intelligence and much more trying to, you know, figure out which jobs might appeal to who and, you know, which candidates might be a good fit and, you know, even AI driven matching processes to sort of shortlist and things like that. And uh, so I think that's much more, um, much more of the, uh, the trend that we're going to see in the way that, uh, that hiring uh, happens. Um, certainly how it's changed over the, over the last couple of years. Uh, and then, you know, the, I guess the final thing would just be, we've sort of touched on it, but, but this whole thing about flexibility. And so it's not just traditional standard employees that are, you know, more and more, I think there's, you know, the, that is a, a big trend. It's like you can get workers to uh, connect with you. And that was that was happening pre-pandemic, but the pandemic just really put a, you know, put some gas on the fire there. Yeah, I want to touch back on one thing about AI. Um, what have been, I guess, the the most prominent successes that you've heard of or seen with AI technology when it comes to recruiting, and what are some of the drawbacks of it? Um, certainly, when it comes to candidate matching, it seems like a, it it's been super successful in many ways. Um, but when it comes to you know the the scheduling of interviews and that process of getting someone um, you know nailed down for an interview and then bringing them in for you know a secondary interview or getting them hired. There could be some complications there. So, what are what are some of the you know pros and cons you've seen and, and heard about? So yeah, far? well, um, I you know I think there's all sorts of things. So so the you know just like you know like Netflix uses AI to suggest which movies you might like. I think that um, you know in the matching side, if AI can do a great job of suggesting people who might be successful or jobs to people that they might be interested in that they wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Um, the risks are obviously the, the flip side of that. You know, this is not like movies. And, you know, to the extent that the AI got trained by, you know, that it's, it's sort of reinforcing uh, bias, gender bias, racial mm -hmm. bias, thing else like that, I think that is a risk. And so there's, you know, companies have been, I think, 
you know, are being cautious about how they employ that uh, around that as well they should to uh, to make sure that it's not, um, you know, sort of reinforcing discrimination. Um, so that's sort of the, the risk. I'll, I'll give you like, you know, an example of uh, a success is, um, you know, we've gone to remote interviews, for instance. So, you know, the, this whole lot, just like remote work happened, people suddenly woke up one day and realized like, gee, I don't really need to actually see for many jobs. I don't need to meet them in person. Like we could do this over over uh, Zoom or over some other platform. There's been a whole growth of uh, interviewing platform uh, uh, as a category of technology. And many of those use uh, artificial intelligence, like particularly for people who are hiring uh, programmers and you know things that have got very defined skills. Um, you know, you can have uh, tests that are automated for people, let's take a programmer to go through and actually prove that they know how to code. And the AI can do things like, you know, identifying if they're exhibiting behaviors that would indicate they're cheating mm. or they're, um, they're not the person they said they were. You know, like like you know, one per there's all this sort of crazy stuff that's gone on with remote hiring, where like you you interviewed one person and then you know somebody else showed up for work, and you know so AI is I mean it's being used in in things like that to uh, um, you know and I to to just sort of provide greater assurance. I think that it's you know it's also speeding up a lot of uh, processes and and it's really. You know, it's just it's just getting uh, it's just getting started in a lot of ways. Well, Barry, we covered a lot already in uh, about 30 minutes. Uh, would you be able to stay on for just a little bit longer and cover a few more topics? I'd be happy to, Joe. Great. For our listeners, uh, make sure you tune into part two of our conversation with Barry here. If you want to listen to future podcasts, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen in. For Yo's Back to Work, I'm Joe McIntyre. Thanks for listening.